My Mac Podcast number 261. It's Listener Invite with Antonio Gomez, plus our contest. You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. And I am Tim Robertson, like uh, Dave Hamilton from the Mac Geek Gab and the Mac Observer just said at the intro music. Did you know that's who that was, David Cohen? I didn't know. That was, uh, yeah, that's that's our friend Dave Hamilton. He does the uh, the Mac Observer's Geek Gab website and podcast. And uh, I put a call out on Twitter, I don't know, maybe half a year, a year ago, wanting some intro voices. And we got quite a few. And he was one of the ones that did it. And I thought, well, that's... That's really cool. I mean, he has his own Mac podcast, and uh, he does the intro to our show. I think that's fantastic. So, And I don't mention that enough. In fact, I don't think I've mentioned it since I first played it. <laughs> so if you don't listen to the Mac Geek Gab, go do so, because it's a really, really good podcast. Theirs are more technically oriented than ours. They do a lot of questions, answers, I've got a problem, here's a solution, that type of show, um, where we just kind of ramble along, David. Well, we do. We like the way we do it, but I, I must admit that this sounds quite interesting. I'm going to have to go and listen to that. Oh, if you don't, if you're not already listening, dude, go listen to it. They've got a really good podcast. I know a lot of cool. people are probably like, dude, why are you telling people to listen to someone else's podcast? Because it's good. I listen to it. That's the whole yep. thing about being Mac users and being this uh, this episode in particular. When it's the listener invite and we've got someone that's a Mac user just like us, we invite him on the show, we talk to him, have a good time, and his name this week is Antonio Gomez. Hey, Antonio. Hey, how are you, Tim? I talked. I, I said your name was Antonio last week. Just uh, it's Antonio. <laughs> you have to say it with the Spanish okay, accent, okay. Antonio. <clears throat> it's Antonio Gomez. <laughs> say what do you like that? <laughs> well, we just we just made a whole bunch of women shiver. <laughs> Actually, okay, yeah, I won't lie. Not in a I'll good say, way. I'll say, yeah, not in a good way. I'll, I'll be honest. Listening to this show, it was maybe three women. <laughs> well, actually, my, my wife wants to know when it's coming out so she can listen. She's never listened to a podcast, but when I told her that I was going to be on a podcast, she went like, really? And what are you going to talk about? I told her, Mac stuff? Oh, boring. But I'll, I'll listen. Okay. Well, tell her no on uh, October 8th, 2009, probably around... 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It'll be live on the server and live in iTunes. Awesome. I'm, I'm pretty good at those numbers by now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's start here. Where are you from? Uh, from Panama. Are, you're still in Panama? Yeah. That um, is amazing. Um, you have a big canal there, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we have, we have the Panama Canal. Yeah, that's, that's basically the only thing people know of. Through. Yeah, and then all your internet connections go through there, right? Yeah. <laughs> actually, when we travel abroad, uh, people actually think that we live right beside the canal and that we swim in the canal. <laughs> <laughs> the canal. Only when they lower it and the big ships go through, we, we all jump in and, you yeah, know, occasionally. And... I, I've had people ask me if if we live in trees, if, if, if we celebrate Christmas and stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I, I tell you, it's, it's really amazing what, what you hear Ignorance. from people that yeah when they don't know what panama is they, they just look at you like wow dude i would have not? i would have so much fun with that i would they, they <laughs> said do you celebrate christmas and i'd be like w- do i what christmas what is <laughs> christmas, this christmas? Yeah. 
And they, they, well, that's celebration of blah, blah, blah. Who is this Jesus person? We've never heard of that in Panama. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there, there was this, this guy that uh, we, ha- we were having pizza with in, in, uh, in the States. And he looked at me and he said, well, this must be new for you. I went, what? Pizza? <laughs> no eating. No, no, <laughs> no. no not new. A what? A restaurant? Sometimes, Napkins? Yeah, sometimes what? I want to smack them, you know? I would That's have fun. so much fun with that. <laughs> oh, I would. I, that would just be the greatest thing in the world for me. I, I wish people were that stupid right to my face. Cause, <laughs> oh, so what kind of Mac are you using? Uh, well, Mac right Plus? Now, <laughs> 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 well, actually, I, I have a Mac Classic, but I, I have it just for show. That was the first Mac my dad bought when I was like seven or eight, maybe. And uh, I still have it just for show at the office. But I use right now I'm using a, a 15-inch MacBook Pro. And in the office, uh, we have uh, we have three iMacs, one 24-inch and uh, 2.4 gigahertz, mm-hmm. and the other two are 20-inch, uh, 2.0 gigahertz. Your, your MacBook Pro, is it one of the newer ones or is it an older one? Uh, it's one of the newer ones. It, it's just the model that came before the the one with the SD card thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that's the one. I, I bought it like in April. Are you like bummed out that you didn't wait a little bit? Or yes, yes. What, what's the because <laughs> I just got the brand new MacBook Pro with the SD card and the battery that lasts a month and a half with a charging. It seems, um, and I like it a lot. But I have to say, quite honestly, if if I would have bought one six months ago, I don't know if it'd been that big of a deal to me. I. The SD card slot, I can m- maybe see using occasionally. Um, yeah, th- that's the main thing because uh, my wife likes to take a lot uh, to take a lot of pictures, so it would have been easier just for us to take out the SD card and put it into the Mac without having to having to carry around a cable and all that stuff. Yeah, but you know, the, you keep taking out the SD card out of that slot so often. I would be more worried about the camera breaking open that little because they all have that little sliding thing that you got to get out yeah, of the way. Door. And, yeah. yeah. I would hate yeah. to open that up more than I would just to plug in a, a cable to the camera. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't yeah, but I bought it at, like, a week afterwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's going <laughs> to... Yeah. yeah, that sucks. I, I, would, I would be kicking myself on that. I replaced a first-generation MacBook Pro, and I really liked it. And I really wasn't in that big of a hurry to replace it, but I was having problems with that machine, and I thought it was a hard drive problem, so I replaced the hard drive. And... It didn't cure the problem. I was still having massive lockups with the machine. So I was like, okay, it's just time to replace this four-year-old machine. And the new one, uh, which is basically the same one you got, except for a better battery and the SD card slot. Other than that, it's the same computer. Um, is a lot faster than my old MacBook Pro. I'm really, really impressed. Now, yours is a unibody too, right? Yeah, mine's a unibody. Actually, I had a, a 20-inch iMac here uh, in my house. I bought it because I thought, well, maybe someday I can bring work uh, home and work from here. That way I, don't, I wouldn't have to stay that long in the office. But I had it for a year, and I only worked here once. So I had it in the desk. I, I have it in this little room that it's like a, I don't know, we use it for storage, basically. So we have we had the, the desk there, and we had the computer. But sometimes I wanted whatever watch tv or whatever while i was on the computer and i could have just moved the imac and moved the desk so uh i sold the imac and i bought the laptop the yeah. MacBook pro and i'm really happy with it yeah they're just solid machines 
Yep. It, we are they, at the point now where you don't need a desktop anymore. I remember doing this podcast a couple of years ago, and we were talking about when Chad Perry was still a co-host, and we were talking about it's getting close to the point where you don't really need a, a desktop. You can do everything on a laptop. We are at that point now. You do not need a desktop computer. No, not at all. Uh, four years ago, when I started my business, I started it with a 17-inch PowerBook G4, and uh, it worked wonders, and I used it uh, from 2003 because I bought it just as they came out, and I used it until uh, until the new IMAX came out, like maybe September 2007. That and was a big hog, though, that 17-inch G4. Yeah, but I really love the screen. Oh, yeah. that was beautiful. Well, what do you think of the new screen, uh, the, the the new MacBook Pro? Oh, it, it's amazing. You know, peop, I hear people complaining about the uh, the glossy screen. Yeah. But I'm a graphic designer. I I work with pictures. I work with color, and I really, I really enjoy working with the glossy screen. So do I. I think the saturation, the color saturation on these screens. Now you've got the 13 inch, right, David? Yeah. So. Yep. I don't know if I could work with a 13-inch. I think that that's just a little bit too small for me. My wife's got a 13-inch PowerBook, and so so do both of my older girls. And you know, when I do web browsing on there, I just feel cramped. It feels small to me. The, tr- the trick is to use uh, spaces quite a lot with the 13 inches. Yeah. I, f- I find if you do that, um, it's not so bad. But I know what you mean. I mean, I went from a 17-inch to a 13-inch, so well, it's quite a big jump for me. I like but, the 15-inch. So. Uh, the 17 is just... I've played with them in the Apple Store, and they're just a little bit too big. And I literally do use my laptop on my lap. And it was just a little bit too big for my lap. I didn't really like it. Um, I I love the screen, don't get me wrong, but it was just a little bit too big. And the price difference was just hugely significant for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's wow, it's it's amazing the, the price difference between the 15 inch and the 17 inch. It's it, just too much. It's two inches. You wouldn't think the price difference would be. It's not that big of a difference between a 13 and a 15. So why is it between a 15 and a 17? Yeah, I don't know. I it, just just I guess just because it's the premium model, it's top of the range model, uh, and it does. T- I think it probably does tend to be bought mostly by. Uh, people who have real kind of hardcore professional requirements. I think the 15-inch is probably Apple's um, most popular model. They don't break them out for us, and that would be real nice if they did. But i got to imagine that the 15-inch is probably their most popular model. Cause to me, uh, I, I don't know. The, thir- the 13 is the 13 is, is very close to being an ultra-portable because it's so small, particularly in the, in the, the unibody design. I would say you know, that a 13 would be popular... If you have a desktop machine that you're using and the and the yeah. laptop is kind of a secondary computer, then yes, a 13 inch would probably be more popular. But if the only computer you have is a laptop, and like Antonio, I think a 15 inch would probably be more popular. What do you think, Antonio? Yeah, well, when when I used exclusively the, the laptop, I had a 17 inch, and, and I still found it a, a little bit small for what I do. For example, Photoshop has a whole bunch of palettes. Yeah, and and uh, when you're working on high-res images, you need a lot of space. So it, it sometimes it, it felt cramped. Now that I use a 24-inch, it, it's it's a whole different thing. Oh, yeah. I, sometimes I do feel cramped, but uh, not as much as I did with the 17-inch. Well, when yeah. when I was when I was about to change the PowerBook, I thought about getting uh, a laptop and getting second monitor, but it was it, it came out too expensive. So I decided to buy the uh, 24-inch iMac. Well, you can get actually a cheap laptop 
monitor, I'm sorry, a, a cheap monitor with the adapter to plug into it, and it really wouldn't be that expensive. Well, yeah. Okay. You can get one of those 20-inch monitors now for less than 200 bucks. And the adapter, we were talking last week as our um, other world computing pick of the week was uh, uh, that video adapter and the mini display port, and that's like 19 bucks, 20 bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, you're still talking less than 200 bucks, and you've got a 20-inch monitor plus the 15-inch monitor. That's wow. that's a lot of space for you. Something to think about if you if you're going to go down that. You don't have to buy the Apple monitor. In fact, I usually caution most people don't get the Apple monitor because you're paying they're, way too much for what yeah, you Yeah, they're way overpriced. It's one of the yeah. one things. I mean, people say, well, yeah, you could say that about Macs, too. No, you can't. <laughs> 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 you just can't. They're monitors. Yes, you're paying more than what you get. You really exactly. are. They're, 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 they're not bad value secondhand because they do tend to, um, they, you know, they're very well built. So they do tend to last. So if you can pick one up secondhand, they're not so bad. But, but are I, monitors bit, more of a commodity at this point? Well, there is something about, I mean, I had a 20-inch Dell monitor for a long time. And when I got an opportunity to pick up a uh, an X-Demonstration Apple Cinema display, which was also 20 inch replace it you know while the uh technically the the monitors are, are were broadly the same in performance the cinema display just looks so much nicer on my desk yeah and there there is something to that but i would i would not be well inclined unless i was feeling particularly flush to go out and, and pay full retail for an apple display uh first topic that we wanted to talk about um is using your iphone as a navigation device uh, you got a iPhone, Antonio? Yeah, I do. What do you think? I got a 3G. I love it. Do you? Oh, I couldn't live without it. <laughs> do you use uh, navigation on it yet? No. Here in Panama, we can't really use navigation. I'm, Wait, I you have roads there? <laughs> <laughs> that was too easy. I had to go there. Come on. <laughs> well, the thing is that uh, for some reason, uh, the... The, the GPS signal doesn't actually match uh, quite well. I mean, when I, when I turn on the maps and I ask uh, the, the cell phone to, to locate itself, it'll, it'll generally be around the area, but not really, it can't really pinpoint where I'm actually at. I wonder why that is. I wonder if the, um, if the GPS has been turned off and you're just using cell phone triangulation. Well, I, I really don't know if it maybe it's that, but I, I just can't. When I turn it on, it just won't pinpoint exactly where I am. It says you're you're around there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's actually a pretty big area. I mean, it it does signal the area where I'm at, but I really can't pinpoint my exact location. That's weird. Have you looked online to see if there's any anybody else that has that problem or? Well, I, well, I've, I've tried on, uh, on a few other iPhones, and they seem to have the same problem. Huh. That is kind of weird. It is. I'm, I'm very curious on why it's doing that now. Um, I have. If anybody out there is listening knows why, maybe it's something that we he's closer to the equator, or I don't know, some weird thing like that. Um, or there's just not a lot of satellite coverage in your area, but it, there should be. I mean, space is littered with sats now. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah, I think that's 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 going to be the main reason. Because uh, when I use uh, Google Maps, 
I, I can find my apartment, but when I try to look for my sister's house, the picture that I get, it's uh, a picture of when the house was still being built, and she's been living there for five years. Yeah, well, that's not... Yeah. Uh, the same thing happens to me, and I mean, I'm in uh, Michigan here in the United States. You would think that we would have very good updated maps, but it's actually a picture of my house, and I and I still can't zoom in real close to it. It's, you know, like street level, uh, but like one step back. And I could still see okay. this big ring in my backyard which hasn't been there. It was whoever owned the house before us had an above-ground pool. And so they had this big, perfectly round dirt spot in my backyard. And uh, I got rid of that the second year we were in this house. And and in the sat picture, I could still see that ring. So that picture is obviously, at least at this point, eight years old. Wow. So it's just, unless someone actually requests updated maps for that area, it's just not going to get done. It's not like Google has their own satellite, although they could afford it at this point. Yeah. Taking these pictures, you're, they're just, you're not going to get a, an updated picture. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, David, do you use yours for navigation? Well, I use Google Maps, and when I'm walking around a lot, in fact, I was using it just this afternoon. I was in a city I'd not been to before, and uh, we used it to find the route from the station to, to where we were having our meeting. In the car, I have built-in sat-nav. But I have used um, Windows mobile phones with with uh, TomTom's app in the past, so I was very interested to uh, understand what you know how the iPhone app would work on the uh, would work from TomTom. What's kind of put me off so far is the price of the application, plus together with the the, the hardware that you would need to actually power the phone and mount it in the car. TomTom does a uh, a cradle that that will charge the phone and enhance the GPS slightly and allow you to use it as a, a speakerphone and that sort of thing. Um, but that combination is, from the pricing I've seen, seems to be more expensive than actually having a, a proper standalone TomTom GPS. So uh, I've, not, I've not been inclined to actually drop the money to try the TomTom app so far, so I'd be interested to hear from anybody who's actually had a go at it. Now, they offered, uh, TomTom offered to give me a, a copy for review, but I didn't take them up on the offer because I said, well, I, I want to test the time time with the docking station and all that all together. And uh, so just hold off for a while. But in the meantime, I do have two other iPhone apps that does navigation. I have uh, I go my way and I have Navigon and I keep meaning right. to do a video review of them, but they keep updating the software and I'm like, oh, I got to wait for a few minutes now and or a couple days. Cause I got to get, the new software tested, a new update, and uh, then they update it again. So I'm just going to end up doing a written review of these. I know it. Yeah. Um, uh, I know the Navigon's been, been you know, subject to quite a few improvements. Yeah, and unfortunately, they didn't give me a code. They're giving me a custom build every time, which is kind of a pain in the butt because I literally have to log on to their FTP server and download a an ad hoc version. Um. I've used them quite a bit now, and I also have a Garmin GPS standalone unit, which at the time was like three forty nine when I bought it. I can buy the same thing now for like one forty nine. <laughs> yeah, well. but honestly, I, I don't regret buying it. I don't go on long trips very often, and I don't go to places that I don't know where I'm going very often. But when I do go somewhere. I don't even worry about, you know, can I find it? Or once you get used to the Garmin GPS or any GPS, 
if it's in within driving distance and you have an address, you're going to find the place. No problem. Um, that being said, though, the garment has led me to some, you know, grassy fields at some points where things that <laughs> yeah. just recently I had to go to um, northwest Chicago, northwest Chicago area for a funeral for my uncle who passed away, and um, we had to it led us directly to the funeral home, but we were there a couple hours early, so we ended up going to the hotel where the rest of the family was. Right. They didn't tell us the name of the hotel. They just gave me the address. And so we went there, and it was just a field. And there was like four or five hotels that we just passed a half mile down the road. So I had to call them back and say, okay, which hotel are you at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, So they're not super, super accurate when it comes to that. But, I mean, that's garbage in, garbage out, right? That's right. They, I mean, TomTom themselves don't uh, – they, they buy in the maps. They don't, uh, they don't do the mapping themselves. And the same thing is true with the iPhone apps that you can buy um, with iGo and Navigon and TomTom and Garmin. They don't make their own maps. They're all no. you know, licensed out. So I've got a lot of experience using the Garmin. I've come to rely on it. Um, I like it a lot, a whole lot. But I was really looking forward to being able to retire that and just use the one device. The same device that I'm listening to music in my car will also tell me how to get to go You know where I'm going. And quite honestly, if I'm going to go somewhere over any length of time, I'm probably still going to bring the Garmin. Yeah. I just, there's something about the iPhone apps that just, they don't feel as good. Uh, I'll give you a prime example. I was using iGo my way today. I wasn't, I didn't tell it to get me anywhere in particular. I was just showing the map and it shows me where I'm at and where I'm going and the direction and the speed and all that. And um, one of the nice features about the iGo, will, it'll actually tell you if you're speeding. So if I'm going right. over the posted speed limit, it'll say, check your speed or, you know, something like that. It's kind of annoying. You're like, shut up. I know. <laughs> you could turn it off. I just haven't yet. Um, but it's not super accurate. I was driving about 55 miles an hour down this road. And I glanced down, and it said I was doing seven miles an hour. That's kind of a problem. And the map was was kind of jerky. It, it would show where I was ten seconds ago, and then it would jump up and show me where I am now. And it wasn't smooth. It wasn't smooth at all. But yet, the last time I used it before today, I had it take me to a, a, a city that's about a half mile or half hour away, and it was perfect the whole way. It it wasn't skipping it wasn't jumpy it it was completely accurate on my speed um and i was kind of happy about that but that that's an inconsistency why did it work fine last time and it wasn't working so good this time is it you know, just it wasn't picking up as many satellites as it needs or you, you just have no idea um and it yeah. takes forever for i go to get a sat reading when you first launch it, it takes forever for it to launch. Now, granted, this is like a one gigabyte app altogether with all the maps and all. But it takes like three minutes for the app to be up and ready to go. And maybe three minutes doesn't sound like a lot. But if you're sitting in a car ready to go somewhere. No, that's a long time. Three like, minutes. Come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whereas and what about gun, when you guys are. Go ahead. No, sorry. Uh, just wanted to know because since I've never used one, what happens when you guys are driving and using the apps and 
get a phone call. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Navigon has the same problem about launching. It launches about twice as fast, except it gives you a big red bar at the top of the screen when it doesn't have satellite connection. And that sits there for like two minutes before it finds a satellite. So I think the GPS chip in in these iPhones aren't very good. Well, I, I from from I had a brief conversation with uh, Don McAllister on Twitter. He bought the TomTom app, and he says it doesn't have that problem. And a couple of other reviews I've seen have also said the same thing. So I suspect there's some coding problems in some of these applications. One of the things that I think TomTom will bring to this this um, this kind of you know type of application is their UI and their interface uh, and their coding uh, for this application is very refined because they have you know such a long history of doing these applications, particularly for smartphones. I was using the uh, Navi- TomTom Navigator 5 for smartphone for Windows Mobile smartphones about three, four years ago. Um, so they've which got was, the experience and the expertise in this area. Absolutely. And I think that comes across in their in their offering. The downside to TomTom is it's pretty pricey because you're paying for that experience and for that uh, that premium. And the, the, the TomTom is very much a... Um, you know, uh, the the upper end of what you're going to pay for these sorts of applications, particularly if you buy the hardware and everything as well. And I think that brings brings back to what you were saying before, uh, Tim, about if you have an iPhone, you have to ask yourself whether it's worth making that investment, or whether it's worth if you're going to if you're going to spend that sort of money, maybe spending a little bit less and getting a dedicated device that doesn't drain the battery of your phone uh, and can be mounted differently and you can give to your wife to use in in her car and you can still keep hold of your phone uh, and all of those usability features you're going to get from having a separate device rather than maybe having it all integrated i guess it depends on how you want to roll with our garmin we have the cradle sitting in uh, i think it's in the honda right now and we have to move that from car to car depending on which car we're going to take if we're going to go any length of you know the Garmin has a battery, but I don't know how long it lasts because I've never really ran it on the battery for any length of time. It won't. It won't be particularly long. No, my experience those standalone devices is about two hours on the battery. Yeah, and sometimes that's fine, but yeah. most of the time it's really not. Um, but the Garmin unit itself stays here in my office unless we are actually going to use it because those things are just a, a theft magnet. Absolutely, and that's uh, one and of the, the problems with the iPhone. If you're going to be using the iPhone for navigation. And you stop somewhere along the way to go in to have a dinner. You don't want to leave the iPhone out in the car any more than you would a GPS unit. So, you know, what do you do? You're going to lose probably satellite navigation as soon as you go into the restaurant. Um, It's kind of a tricky thing. And then if it's running and you, well, let's go back to Antonio's question. What happens when you get a call or that sort of thing? So what for for my first test with a Navigon, uh, I drove to Kalamazoo and back, and I told my wife at such and such time call me because I figured I'd be right in the middle of the highway at that point. In fact, I knew I'd probably at a certain time because I've driven there so many times, I'd probably be coming up close to my exit. So I uh, I launched first. I launched my iPod player, and I selected some music to listen to. And then I went back to my home screen and launched Navigon. Now the music continued to play. Now this is all going through the car stereo speakers. It's not just the iPhone speakers. Yeah. And I told Navigon where I wanted to go. It took like three minutes before it decided, okay, I'm talking to a satellite and you can go now. 
<laughs> it doesn't turn down your music. It just blares out where you're going. So you're listening to, you know, don't, don't you want me, blah, 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 blah. Turn right. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know Navigon now is, is doing the whole speaking the street thing, right? That was one of the big updates that they just did. Yeah. They didn't when I was testing it initially. So it would just say, take next right or take next left, which is fine and dandy if there's a lot of distance between the next left and the next right. But if you're in a congested area where there's a street and a street and a street and a street, you know, tell me which street to turn on. Just don't say take the next right because which one? There's one right here that I'm at or the next one. And I don't want to be sitting there looking, you know, away from traffic to look at my iPhone screen to determine which one I'm going to turn on. Yeah, my, my understanding from from Don McAllister was the TomTom one will shut itself down and allow you to take a call if a call comes in and then turn itself back on again afterwards. Yep, and, uh, and, and, and Navigon and Igo do the same thing. So if yeah. I was driving down the highway, I-94, and I was about three miles from my exit, my wife called. And, of course, you get the push notification that comes up over the maps. You get a phone call. And I answered it, and it popped up with the cell phone. I said, okay, thanks for the test. Talk to you later. Hung up. It relaunched Navigon, and it did the same thing with the iGo as well. It relaunched, and unfortunately, uh, the Navigon immediately found the satellite, knew I was still traveling, and I was no problem at all. The first time with the iGo, it had no idea I was still in the middle of a trip. It still took three minutes to find the satellite. And then I had to put in my destination again. Yeah, that's not good. That's that's not good well, at all. That's really not good. But it uh, did do it fine the second time. So how do you, you know, it, it worked one time and it didn't work the next time. And yeah, I it's think it's got to be reliable for, for sat nav. Is yes. you, you, you've got to know that when you use when you're driving a car and you're using it for directions, you've got to know the thing is working properly all yep. the time. That's one of the things about the cradle that TomTom's coming out with that I like a lot better. With the Cradle, it's using its own GPS chip. It's not using the GPS chip in the iPhone. Yeah. It's also using its own audio, so it's not cranking it out over the top of your speakers. And I like that solution a lot better. So if you get a phone call and you take it and you hang up, the TimeTime software knows exactly where you are, like it didn't skip a beat because the navigation is actually in the Cradle. It's not in the iPhone. That's a good solution, but like you said, David... That's an expensive solution. Between, it is. Between the cradle and the app, you're talking $200. That's right. And that's before you even get into um, updates or, or map updates, which... Um, yeah, but that's all of them, though. I mean, my, my Garmin unit is just... Every time I turn it on, it wants me to go spend $99 to buy an updated yeah. maps. $99? That's what they cost? Yeah. At least the Garmin oh. used I don't know what the TimeTime costs are. They're, they're not quite that expensive, but uh, I have been. I was stung in the past with uh, with their uh, their Windows Mobile application, and I bought it. And then about three weeks after I bought it, and I bought it direct from them, they released an updated version, and they would not give me an upgrade pricing on it. Um, in fact, I, I first said to them, I said, "Well, actually, I'd, I'd like it for free, bearing in mind you've only changed it so quick. You've changed it so quickly," and uh, they didn't want to know. They really said, well, you know, if you want the new version, then that's you've got to pay the full price. So mm. uh, that that's, I mean, that is how these companies make their money. And I think you need to kind of accept that. 
obviously it's like anything else is uh, where where you're depending on um, the their their relationship to the real world with maps and that sort of thing. They will date over time, and if you want to get the updated uh, maps, then you've got to pay pay the money. I you know I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I I take it for granted at this point because my um, Garmin unit is you know four years old that there's going to be some newer roads that it's not going to know about or some yeah. newer gas stations or hotels or, you know, that sort of thing. And I can actually program it to uh, uh, take me out of my way. Okay, I want to go to the next gas station and it will reroute me. And all the iPhone applications will do that as well. But if I want the most current up-to-date information, it's going to cost me a little bit of money over time if I'm going to continue to use this. But honestly, at $100 for the map pack, I can buy this brand new unit again for 150 bucks. Eh. That's right. Why, yeah. why not just yeah. buy the new one? And then I've got two cradles and two GPS units. Yeah. Yeah. I think ultimately, I would imagine in the long term, all of these manufacturers will be looking to put this uh, technology directly into vehicles. It's crazy that at the moment, if you want to have a sat-nav built into your car, it's often a, you know many hundred of dollars an option to add that on when you can go and buy a $150 sat-nav unit that plugs in on a cradle. So I would expect, you know, in five years' time, you'll probably find that TomTom and Garmin will have deals with the car manufacturers and this stuff will all be built in and, and applications like this will become uh, become something that, that falls by the wayside. For the moment, if you really want, if you know, if you're a real convergence freak and you want everything on the single device, then the TomTom is, is or, or, or one of these other apps is probably a good solution. But it, the, the difficulty is that all of these apps, even the cheapest ones, are a lot of money and you don't get an opportunity to try them before you buy. And if you then find that they don't do the job for you, you're kind of left left uh, high and dry, really. Yep. I You know, for me right now, the final verdict is, and this is, of course, without trying the TomTom, or they're, it, it's not for sale yet, the the docking solution. No. Um, without trying that, right now my solution is if I'm going somewhere, for instance, I went to visit Sam Levin a couple weeks ago in Indiana when he was visiting his sister. I brought the, the Garmin unit. I just trust it. It works. And uh, <clears throat> I don't want to leave it to chance whether I'm going to get to my destination or not. Yeah, well, the the TomTom Cradle is due out in about a month or so. So once that's available, and we got we get a chance to do a, a head head to head test of the iPhone app and the Cradle against a standalone unit, we'll probably be able to revisit this topic and see what we think. Uh, next segment we want to talk about uh, a little bit here is Antonio. What was your first computer that you ever used? It was a Mac Classic, actually. Was it? It was a Mac. So you started on a Mac, and you're still on a Mac. Yeah. Actually, uh, my dad needed to buy a computer for his office, and uh, a couple of cousins of mine uh, owned a printing shop here in Panama, and uh, they were starting to use Macs, and they told my dad, hey, buy a Mac. So my dad bought a Mac, and uh, it stayed in our house for like a year before he ever took it to his office because here in Panama, nobody knew how to do whatever he wanted to do with the Mac. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So well, that was a uh, place. It wasn't just Panama. I mean, I remember <laughs> going into offices where I would see computers in a box and come back a month later and they're still in the box because there was just no experts on it. it nobody knew how to really use it. And 
And the people that were working in the office, the ones who didn't order the computer, were scared to death of it. Yeah, so I remember getting home from school and turning it on and starting playing Load Runner. I loved that game. You know, Load Runner was a, a huge game back in the day. I mean, a lot of people got into video games because of that game. I really loved it. Actually, <laughs> that, that was the only use the computer ever got in my house, playing Load Runner. And I was the only one who played Load Runner because my sister was too, too, too little to be interested in that. And my dad was so afraid of the computer, he wouldn't even touch it. Is he still that way? No, right uh, now he he owns he has his own Mac and uh, he surfaces the web. He uses Office. He sends emails and he loves it. He really loves. Are you his tech support though? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever yeah. had a uh, a listener invite yet where the person we're talking to isn't the tech support for their family. <laughs> Just it's it's amazing how that works out. Yeah, I, I'm like you when when somebody. Ask me advice on on, on buying a computer. Look, you buy whatever you want, but if you buy a PC, don't call me. I I I, I'm not gonna mess with that. If you buy a Mac, I'll be glad to help you out. But don't call me if you buy a PC. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to deal with the headache of a PC, I would have bought one. (laughs) You know, I I, I don't want to deal with your problems too. I got I got roped into helping out a, f- a friend of the family recently who has had a a PC that's uh, kind of crashed and burned, and they need some data recovery from it. And so I offered to do it because they know that I know computers. But boy, was it a, a reminder of why I don't like fixing problems on PCs because it was just no end of problems. It's just the si- simple things as getting a backup of the drive so that I could recover the data was. Four or five times as hard as it would be with a Mac, where you just plug in, you know, an external drive, and you know it would work. Whereas with a PC, it was all about having a, a bootable CD with the right drivers on for the USB hardware within the motherboard, and then the right backup software that also loaded those drivers. And it was just a nightmare. I tell you what, David, I'm going to drop you from the call and bring you back in because you're getting real crackly. Okay. The, the connection to Panama is great. The connection to the UK is horrible. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to bring you back in here one second. Okay, we got rid of him, Antonio. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can bring him back in and it gets any better. You there? I'm here. Yeah. It sounds okay. We'll we'll just let it roll on. So what do you do with your computer most of the time? You said you do photography, you do graphic work? Yeah, I'm a graphic designer. That's what I do all all my day is Spent on Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. Do you work for a company or are you freelance? I I have my own company. Oh, you own the company? Yeah. Well, well, you know I'm looking for a job, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a small company, yeah, but uh, we've been working for the past, uh, I want to say, five, six years. Now, is most of your business local or do you do stuff over the Internet as well? No, most of my business is local. Have you thought about kind of branching out and trying to get some of those? Because there's a lot of people out there that's running websites and stuff, and you look at them and the graphics are just atrocious. You're like, oh, you know, who, would you guys break out, you know, Mac Draw to, to make these pictures? I mean, it's just horrible. <laughs> or they're just using these canned photos of the lady on the telephone or three guys sitting around a conference table all smiling. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, they're just using this canned crap that's, you know, their logo is just 
text. I mean, it's just so boring. There's no, (laughs) there's nothing to it. I mean, there's a lot of companies. Granted, there's a lot of competition for that. Exactly. But even if you got, you know, five more customers a month because of it, could be worth something. Yeah, actually, it it could be. Uh, Right now, we're working on uh, on updating our our website because our website, we we tried to do uh, an upgrade. We tried to uh, put a CMS on it, and it just went to hell. Yeah, yeah, I know uh, how that goes. Trust me. Yeah, and uh, we're so busy with with other jobs that we just left it there, and it's been like that for over two years. So now we're we're retaking that project, and we're starting from scratch, and we we already installed the CMS. Everything's working fine, but uh, we have to get all the content up and stuff. So uh, once we do that, we, we... we would really like to to get some international clients, man. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of business, it's it's definitely a possibility, and uh, there's a lot of businesses that you really have to be in the same location. Yeah, but not this one. Not that one. Yeah, I mean, you could be pretty much anywhere. That's awesome. Yeah. I I hope that you uh, you do it and you're real successful. It sounds like you're doing good already, though. I mean, if you're that busy that you you couldn't even get back to updating the website, you must be doing something right. Yeah, I'm, we can't complain. I, we really can't complain. Uh, well, you can, but, you know, you look like an ass when you do, and no one cares. <laughs> so what's your favorite iPhone app? My favorite iPhone app? I think it would be NetNewsWire. I really like that app. Do you? Yep. What? That's the app that I use the most. Yeah. That way you don't have to go to 50 different websites. You can just launch that and, one app and yeah. find out what's going on. You yeah, know, although... The new version is kind of buggy, but I've it's, heard. Still, it's, it's still an improvement over the previous one. Uh, CNN just came out with an app. Um, I, I want to talk about this for just a second. It's a, I want to say four ninety nine or three ninety nine app. And I went to CNN.com all the time on my iPhone. If I wanted to find out what's going on in the world, I'd just go to CNN. Uh, if I'm at home, I actually go to The Guardian usually. But... If I'm on my iPhone, I would just go to the CNN website because they had the iPhone version, and it worked fine. Um, you didn't get to see a whole lot, but it worked. You couldn't watch any of the videos because they were all the flash crap, and so that didn't work. But they came out with this iPhone app that actually does live streaming video, and it looks really good. And a little busy, but it looks good. And I thought, you know what, for that price, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. And I, I want to say it was four ninety nine. I just say that because I'm probably wrong. And uh, I was right. The app works a lot better than going to their mobile website. You can actually watch videos on the iPhone, which is a nice change. And you can watch live video. But the problem is there's ads. And that ticks me off. If I'm paying for an iPhone app, I'm giving you money. Why am I seeing advertising on this app? I'm sorry, do you get the video streaming through 3G also? Uh, I don't have 3G where I live, um, so oh, okay. I've only te- I've only been able to watch it on Wi-Fi. On Wi-Fi. Yep. Okay. And I didn't even try the video on the Edge network because there's just no point. Um, <clears throat> it might work, I'm not sure. But it for the Wi-Fi video, it came through just fine. It never cut out. It, it didn't stutter. It was just very smooth. It looked great, too. Um, but, man... If you're going to charge me for an app, I better not see advertising. I think that's just crass. Now, I know last week, David, we were talking about um, 
Tweety 2 and how yeah. he's charging for the new version, and a lot of people get outraged by that. Well, here's something that I get a little bit of outraged for. Indignant might be a better term. That if I just paid a big company like CNN this much money for an app, and granted, it's not a lot of money, but it's it's more than most apps cost. Yeah, it's one ninety nine. I just looked it okay, up. Okay, one ninety nine. Right. Yeah. When something's at one ninety nine, you think about it a little bit more than you do a ninety nine cent app. Yep. But at one ninety nine, why am I seeing advertising? I feel like that they're kind of double dipping on me at that point. Yeah, I I'd, I'd agree with you. I think. You know, uh, if you're if you're paying for something, then it's kind of a convention in the iPhone world that if you're paying for the app as opposed to the free version, then it sh- it normally isn't ad supported. Yes. But I suppose what you're dealing with there is the mentality of these large media corporations who yep. uh, view access to their content as as a premium service. I mean, there's been a lot of talk in the news over the last few weeks of. News International is talking about charging for a lot more of their online content. And um, CNN's attitude is obviously the same. And then they think once they're actually streaming at you, then advertising comes with the territory. Yeah, but my problem is I can go to their website for free and I'm going to see those ads, especially if you click a video on the CNN website, they're going to show you a 30-second commercial. And I completely accept that, okay? It's, It's your website. It's your content. I'm not paying anything to come here and visit, and if you're going to shove an ad in my face, that's fair. Fine. And I don't use any ad blockers on my site because I think that's BS. Um, But if I'm going to pay a premium for your content that I can get for free anyways with Safari on my iPhone, don't start hitting me up with ads again because I think that's insulting. I suspect that you'll find that you'll get more insulted as time goes on because I think all these media companies, as they look to monitor, really monetize the web and the online stuff, will do much more of this or will switch to other models where, as well as paying for the app, you'll have to, you'll find certain stories, you have to pay a micropayment if you want to get access to that story. And um, What do you think about the, the, the practice of you can't, it's right in the middle of what you're watching or, or listening to, and they throw an ad at you. Well, I don't like it. Me neither. But Speaking of ads, our sponsor this week, Other World Computing. <laughs> you know, we say that, but we have ads on this show. Now, we don't roll pre-roll. In other words, there's not a 30-second commercial that we pay that we play, and you know, we drop it into the show, and you stop hearing us, and you hear a commercial, and it comes back to us. We don't do that. Um, we used to do that a little bit with Small Dog Electronics when they were our sponsor, but we don't do that at all with Other World Computing because I, I just don't think it works as well. And so we drop our ads as part of our content. Now, we try to make the content match the ad sometimes, or whatever the ad's about, we, we, we go out of our way to say, this is why it's cool, or this is why you might want to use it. And yeah. um, Antonio at the very beginning was talking about watching television on your iMac, right? What? You, you're talking about watching um, video on your Mac? Video on my Mac? Yeah. So, you said something so, about that, you, you, that you couldn't move the, the iMac around very good. To... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, actually, it was that I wanted to uh, use the computer while watching TV. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But, but, but I, I do use my Mac to watch uh, video. Actually, uh, we, we own an Apple TV here, and we 
download most of the shows we watch. We don't wait for them to show up on cable here in Panama. It's probably smart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, there's another way you can do it. You could actually watch live TV on your Mac, David. You can. You can use the uh, Elgato products uh, to do that. The um, uh, Elgato ITV software and hardware. The way this works is you have a little... Do- we talked about them before on the show. But yep. You have these, these little dongles, and they do about um, six or seven different models, depending on exactly what sort of video you want to watch when you want to watch... Uh, analog TV, if it's available in your area. I don't know whether um, whether they've done digital switchover yes. in Panama yet, Antonio. Yeah, we, we um, have digital cable here. Yeah, and we've we've just had we're, we're just getting to a full digital switchover here in the UK as well. But they also have digital TV receivers, some that can plug into a cable box, some that um, don't need a cable box, just go over the air for HD and that sort of thing. A, a variety of different of different devices. And the reason I wanted to talk about these, and, and we've got a link in the show notes to, to the range that other world computing sell. Anywhere from 90 um, bucks up to 200 bucks. Yeah. And there's two reasons I wanted to bring these up. First of all, there's the um, um, over on MacSales.com, they have some really keen pricing on these. They've got a lot of money off these devices at the moment. So, uh, for instance, the 250 plus analog digital TV receiver and video controller is down from 199 to $129. That's a good savings. Um, so, so there's some big savings to be had. And the second thing is because Elgato have recently released an iPhone streaming app. Yes, and they, they actually contacted me about that. And it's one of those products that I would love to review or use, but I don't use an iTV on my Mac right now. Oh, well, well um, put them in touch with me because I have a, an, a, an iTV hybrid, so I, I, could, I, uh, I could have a play with that. Um, and what, what this application does is that if you've recorded programs on your Mac using one of these products. Effectively, it turns your Mac into a TV DVR. So you can have live TV as you're working on your desktop, but it will also allow you to program via a TV guide um, shows, and it will then record those to your Mac, and then you can watch them at your own convenience. With the streaming app, what you can do is you can watch those programs over Wi-Fi on your uh, iPhone. That in itself would be cool enough, but actually they've got it configured up so you can actually access that content from anywhere you've got access to the internet. So you can actually uh, effectively turn your ITV product into a sling box. So if you're out and about and you've got um, connectivity back to your uh, 3G connectivity back to your Mac, then you can actually stream your TV and actually watch it if you're uh, you know sat in a cafe or something like that, which is incredibly cool, something I'd really like to give a try. I think that would be really cool. It's a great way to get content on your iPhone without, you know, downloading a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it's yeah. stuff that you already have. Absolutely. It's very, very and cool. Yeah, that's, that should be really good. So thanks to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this. Another sponsor is a contest that we started last week, David. It's for the iFrogs headphones. We're giving away two pair. Really easy to enter. Send your name, address, and most important phone number to contest at MyMac.com. We're going to pick, like I said, two winners for the DJ-style ear pollution headphones from iFrogs. I-F-R-O-G-Z dot com. Very, very cool, hip-looking headphones. They're over the ear. They're not the in-the-ear thing. They're not the earbuds. These are real headphones. And uh, they look really, really cool. I I love the styling of these headphones. Uh, I would probably love them even more if I was like 20 years younger. But <laughs> my daughters would just love these. I mean, these are college age and uh, younger would love them even more. But 
honestly, if you if you need a good pair of headphones, this is a way to get them for free. And Antonio, of course, you're more than welcome to enter the contest because you're not a MyMac staff member. Those are the only ones that are precluded from winning. If you write for MyMac or you're on the podcast all the time and that sort of thing, you can't win. But anybody reading the website or listening to the podcast, sign up for the contest. I mean, it's it's a pair of free headphones. You can't beat that. And uh, so check them out. We're going to have notes in our um, show notes, I should say. We're going to have a link in our show notes. David, we're looking for podcasters. We are. We're going to um, look to take your ideas and put them out in podcast form. We uh, already produce, other than the MyMac podcast and the geekiest show ever, uh, we have a third show. It's from Sam Levin. It's called Cool Picks. It's a very short show. It comes out three or four times a week. And uh, it's just Sam talking for a couple minutes about one cool product. It's all recorded on his iPhone, and he just simply records it and sends me the audio file, and we produce the show for him. We get it up on iTunes. We'd love to do the same thing for you. If you have a great idea for a podcast, and you've always wanted to get into it, but it seemed really daunting, if you can record your show and send me the audio, we'll produce a podcast for you. So if you're interested, send me an email. Uh, Tim at MyMac.com, and we'll t- we'll discuss it. Now, we do have uh, three other shows in early development. Um, one's kind of based on Macs and religion, not a religion for Macs, but we'll, we'll talk about that when that show comes yeah. out. So, so it's, not worship, it's not worship of Macs. No, that's what this show is. Mac. That's our show. We Don't, don't step on my toe. <laughs> um we have another one that we're talking to a couple different people about, and it's about the cell phone industry. So we're not looking for just, you know, Mac specific podcasts. Definitely not. Um, and the third one is about photography. So we have uh, a couple other shows in the pipeline, maybe. Uh, they're still early development. But if you are one of those people that always thought, you know what, I could probably do a podcast. Um, it, it, you know, we're not talking about a show that's like the MyMac show where you have to record for a full hour and you have to have you know, three or four people on Skype. You don't have to do that. It could be just you, or you can have your buddy come over and record with you, or you can do it over Skype the way we do. I mean, at the moment, we have Antonio in Panama. I'm in Michigan, and David is in the U.K. So, I mean, you know, we're literally spread out across the globe, and we're doing this show uh, at the same time. So, But the advantage of, of what we can offer is the the easy part is to think about your topic, particularly with something you're enthused about, something you're really interested in, and to sit down and talk about it is normally not too difficult to do no, once that's you the get easy over part. Yeah, once you get over the hurdle. The hard part is, you know, uh getting the recording right, getting the uh getting the, the files uploaded, getting the RSS feeds done and, and getting it promoted, getting up the iTunes store and everything. And we can do all of that for you. Yep. So you know, it's an opportunity if you if you've always fancied doing it, but you've, you've you thought I can't understand all the technicalities of getting a show running and and keeping a server running and all that sort of thing. Then then give us a call and let's talk. Absolutely, and uh, like I said, we're looking for ideas. We're looking for new podcasters, and this could be uh, your way in. And you're not going to get rich from it. Trust me, <laughs> you're not going to get rich. <laughs> But um, um, only only rich in satisfaction for the soul. Absolutely, you know, there's more to life than just making a quick dollar or a pound or a whatever. Do you have money down there, Antonio? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just keep coming back to it, don't I? I know. <laughs> um, 
it, it, it's an easy way to get into podcasting, and uh, but only do it if you think you're going to have a passion for it, because you really do need to have a passion for podcasting to do it. I've been doing this for almost five years. This uh, December will be our fifth anniversary for the podcast, and 2010 will be the 15-year anniversary for MyMac.com. Is that weird, Antonio, that we've been publishing since 1995 and doing the podcast for five years? Yeah, actually, it, it seems like a long while. It is a long while, trust me. You can ask my ex-wife about that. <laughs> <laughs> and my current one. And uh, the current one's going to stay for I a long time. I actually remember listening to you guys for, for the first time, and, and it seems so long ago. You know, David, someone that listened to us way back then, he should just like automatically win headphones, don't you think? Uh, probably. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Long-suffering <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Move to the head of the line. <laughs> and, Tony, I want to thank you for being on the show this week, man. It was really great to meet you and having you on. Oh, great. It, it was amazing. I, at first, I was a little bit nervous because, I, I, you know, I'm not good with interviews or stuff like that. But it, it, it was actually really, really fun. We try to make it seem like, you know, you're just talking to fellow Mac users, geeks like you, and, and just having a good time. Yeah, it, it was great, and I really want to thank you guys for the opportunity. Uh, we really want to thank you for being on, and we want to send an invite for anybody out there listening. If you want to be on the show, send an email to us, uh, feedback at MyMac.com, or Tim at MyMac.com. You can even do contest at MyMac.com. I don't care. They all come to me anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, send us a, send us an email and we'll get you scheduled on the show. All you have to do is have a pair of headphones on. Uh, what mic are you using? Is it your built-in mic? Yeah, it's a built-in mic. See, and it, it sounds fine. I mean, you, you don't have to have the most fancy equipment in the world to join us on a Skype call and, and talk. We're uh, booking at this point. I've had a, a couple cancellations. You know, things come up. People realize that they're scheduled for a certain date. And then their wives tell them, no, you can't be on that week because we're going to Uncle Bernie's. Um, so we have, we have right now, November 26th open. Oh, uh, wait a minute. No, we don't No, because that was Thanksgiving here in the United States. That was actually skipped back to uh, November 25th. And we have someone on that date. <laughs> uh, the next opening we have is holy crap. March <laughs> 2010. <laughs> wow. So if you're interested in coming on the podcast six months from now, <laughs> yeah. let us know. We'll get you on. Trust me, the six months will go real fast. Uh, yeah. When did you sign up, Antonio? I think it was in July. Yeah. So it took yeah. a little while. It took all the way to October to get here. Yep. So you've listened to every one since, and you keep thinking, I would every be such a one. better guest than that jerk they got on right now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, the, the guest on... Uh, I think it was two shows ago. A girl named Annette. Yes, she was. She was. Talk she was also a graphic designer, and she was talking about a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, "Yeah, that happens to me too. That you, happens to me." You too. know, it's funny. The very first person that we had on the show uh, is also a graphic designer, and we're friends on on Twitter or on a uh, Facebook as well now. And he sent me an audio recording that he recorded on his iPhone and just emailed it to me because I don't know if people know that if you've got an iPhone. And you go to that voice memo, you can record yourself and you can email that file. So if you wanted to send feedback to the show, you could do it that way as well. And Jim Fielder was our first um, our listener invite. And he's a graphic designer as well. And he was chomping at the bit listening to Annette. He was like, that's exactly what I do. And he just wanted to be on that show because it's exactly what he was doing, just like you said. So it's funny yeah, you said exactly. that. 
So that's another way you guys can actually get on the show. If you don't have the time to, to participate in a listener invite, and it's about an hour on a Thursday, um, you can send feedback to the show that way as well. Instead of calling the, 800, the 801 number that we have that we never give out anymore, pick up your iPhone, use voice memo, record yourself, and just send us that file right from your iPhone. Uh, just send yep. it to Tim at MyMac.com, and I'll get it, and we can drop them right in the show. I would put I would play gems, but it was kind of a personal message, so I don't want to do that. Um, he, he reads a social security number right over the, you know, I thought, no, nah, I don't want to do that. So, um, if you guys want to get on the show that way, that would be fantastic as well. So we're going to wrap up this week. We're going to be back next week. Hopefully Guy Soro will return and, uh, participate in the show. And I will say we have that giveaway. So, uh, you, you just have a, less than a week at this point to enter the giveaway. We're going to talk to Ted Landau. He's the uh, co-founder of Mac Fix It, although he recently sold out and has nothing to do with that company anymore. So we're going to find out what's Ted's going, what's going on with Ted. And uh, listener invite. We got Red coming. Reb, R E E B. That's Reb, coming up as well. And uh, should be some good stuff. And so maybe some oh. some old participants from the podcast coming up again. Like I don't know, Bill Dundee. You remember him, iPhone developer? Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, we're going to have Bill come back on the show probably at the end of October, around Halloween, uh, November maybe. We've got him scheduled, but you know how things go, and uh, that ought to be a lot of fun. I know I'm rambling on here because my wife isn't walking through the door and she's running over, and it's kind of <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to hurry. <laughs> I don't know what to do, and I've already eaten, so yeah, I don't have to worry about her getting home with the subway. Um, cause that's what we were talking about with Annette, wasn't it? We get yeah, to go over. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I got my sub that night. It was a meatball sub. It was the most burnt, horrible tasting sub ever <laughs> because I was listening to that show back and I was like, Oh, that sub was horrendous. Shame on you. Subway. That's all I'm saying. Subway eat fresh my butt. That thing was horrible. <laughs> awful, awful lot of salt in those uh, meatball subs as well. Yeah, like, I know. There's a lot of scary, sodium. scary levels. Of but salt. I like those. I like the meatball subs. And oh, but this, but the meatballs like tasted like they had been cooking for like eight hours. They were just these little rubbery burnt balls. It was horrible. I was so disappointed. I should get a refund. <laughs> I'm more of a Quiznos kind of guy. Uh, it's me too. Uh, but they're just. I don't know. I never think of it when I. I don't know. I ought to go to Quiznos more. I like them better. Hmm. Okay, do they have Quiznos in Panama? (laughs) (laughs) Zing, and with that, we're out of here. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast. 